Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast, a show all for women about living your best life and fulfilling your passions from the backcountry to the table. No matter where you are, what hurdles you faced, or where you want to go next, we're right here on this journey with you. It's time to take charge, pave your way, and create success. Well, I keep telling myself I have to find some words that better describe how I feel about introducing new people onto the show. Welcome to another episode of the Her Inspired Journey podcast. And on today's episode, I get to sit down with a newfound friend of mine, Constance Bradley, who I had the pleasure of meeting at one of my ladies weekend retreats here in Fall Creek, Oregon this last year. And she is somebody who has been shooting a bow for a long time. Uh, and is married to a very avid hunter, but didn't catch the bug until quite a few years in. In fact, she talks a little bit about that specific area in this podcast, and just about how she started out as the kind of the camp cook and hostess, if you will, and she loved doing that. She grew up in a family from Texas where they didn't have a ton of female hunters, and so kind of her role and her way to be a part of that whole thing was to be there in camp and to cook meals and to kind of take care of everybody, which is something that she really likes to do. So it kind of grew her love for getting into the hunt and actually putting in for tags, and it's super cool because Constance had put in for two years, so she had hunted two years, this being her second, and drew the coveted once in a lifetime bighorn sheep tag here in Oregon and had a very successful, super fun, uh, and of course a learning experience. So she shares that today in this episode, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. I am super excited to be joined by a fellow hunter and a woman that I got to meet here at my house at one of the ladies weekends retreats that we did this year. And uh, Constance Bradley, welcome to the show. I can't wait to hear your sheep story and how everything went down and just relive the excitement with you today. Thank you so much, Courtney. I'm so glad to be here. It's an honor to be on your podcast and to share this once-in-a-lifetime dream hunt that I got to go on. No kidding, dream hunt. I mean, people put in for a sheep hunt forever. It's like this coveted tag. And... You know, I think those who should be blessed with this tag, it just kind of works out. I've heard a lot of like, gosh, I never put in and I got it the first year for you. I think you said this was your second year applying and then you drew this tag. So just give us a little bit of a background into your hunting lifestyle, your family lifestyle. I know obviously we've tried to get on this podcast several times and you're super busy as are many of us. So I know that you have a lot on your plate and you're kind of juggling this, you know, work, mom, business, uh, hunting life. So I'd like to hear a little bit about that too. So give us some background into who you are. Yeah. So my life is definitely busy. I am a real estate agent full time for my work purposes, but also, I homeschool three of my little boys, which are nine, six, and three. So my littlest, he's not really homeschooling, but he definitely plugs along with all the activities. And then um, I'm super involved in my community. So I have a lot of community activities that I participate in. And then um, family life, we are pro-family everything. We do as much as we can to um, include our entire family and our experiences in the outdoors. And that is definitely come with 
some of the best blessings I've ever had and also with lots of challenges, especially um, being little. So for um, as a young child, I grew up in a family that um, down in Texas where they were deer hunters and bird hunters and um, kind of more of a culture where women weren't really hunters in our family. We were more of the cooks, um, which so I have a huge passion for food and grew up with a passion for food. Um, so I've always loved the taste of game, but I've never personally been the hunter. And so then I um, got into a little bit of hunting for a very short season and then went on with other things that were of interest to me at the time and married my husband who lives, eat, and breathe hunting. And um, he is an equine vet. And so his life is, you know, half on call and very um, busy schedule as well. So our hunting life has not been um, as much as we would love for it to be, but it's also a huge part of if, you know, if we have family vacations or whatever, they're generally um, directed around our hunting. So um, once I married him, we've gone hunting, you know, every season and I, we got pregnant right after we got married. And so most of that season for us I was spent you know with an infant and our oldest his first outing um was hunting season so he was born August 26th so you know September 1st opening day here we go um we had our little eight-week-old baby out in the woods in Wyoming at the time is where we lived and um remember like just bundling him up as in many clothes as we could get him we were like shedding our own layers putting them over him trying to stoke the fire and keep it warm um but they're some of my best times so they're definitely challenges and I didn't get to hunt during those seasons and um just this year I've got my this is my second year but I've um got tags and actually been out hunting for myself um which has been just such a treat and to be honest with you it's kind of caught me off guard that I would be as passionate about it as I am but I think that everything happens for you know its purpose and its reason in our life and I think I needed to come through some of that um, just self-growth to know that when that season where I was mainly the cook in the camp um, and doing those things that I also have a passion for and love um it helped me have a better appreciation for whenever I was out in the field and just as seasons turn and life has been busy it's just been the best retreat I think I could ever be on to be out in the woods um so that's kind of my hunting history um my husband we over the past two years, we just kind of came into this season where we were like, oh my gosh, we have to divide and conquer because both of our businesses are so high demand on our time frames. We can't do it all. And so where before I was kind of the vacation planner, that role uh, deferred over to my husband. And so he is the one that um, dropped in all the applications for us for this year for hunting and when we were checking um we were in the process we were flipping a house and so we're out you know like shoveling and just doing manual labor and and I get a text hey have you checked tags yet and I'm like oh Jason we gotta check tags so he gets out his phone and he's checking to see and he's just scrolling through his and we had to apply for a muzzleloader tag didn't get it got the western cascade so we were like awesome 
so he's like, let me, I was like, well, what did I get? <laughs> he's like, oh. And so, like, he clicks over, you know, like, I'm the afterthought, not in a negative way. He was just like, oh, yeah, I guess we should check yours, too, because this is kind of new for our tradition and family that I'm getting tags as well. So he checks mine, and he's like, no way. He's like, wait a minute. He's just, like, scrolling through. I'm like, what did it say? Scroll back down. And he's like, bighorn sheep. And I'm like, no way. And he's like, <laughs> I cannot believe it. So they were jumping up, and, you know, his dad is where he um, got his love for hunting. So we instantly called his dad. It was just this, like, moment that was surreal. And, like, I don't even know what that means. You know, I was just like, what just happened? So um, that turned into this obsessive planning, which is a trait of mine that is like a blessing and a curse. Because once I say yes to something, I'm all in. And so from that moment of checking, I have obsessively educated myself in hunting in general than in bighorn sheep and and in terrain and into fitness which is also a history of mine that I've always had a passion for um and as you know I'm like this is different like this is not this terrain is not your typical terrain to be hunting in um and you know in Wyoming or where where elk or deer hunting here in Oregon so totally different um scenario so I obsessively researched and talked to every single person I could get my hands on regarding bighorn sheep. And thankfully, um, at the church that we attend, there's a guy who has gone on this exact hunt twice, who also had contacts for people who had been on the hunt. Um, we went and took the classes up in the Dalles that they offered to learn more about, um, you know, just the species itself and how um, Fanaz got it over into or reestablished this herd that we were hunting back in Oregon. Just the history of that is phenomenal. And I definitely, after having this experience, have a new like outlook and um, interest in conservation that I did not, you know, not that I was like ignorant to it, but I just had no um, exposure to the work that they're doing, which is very interesting um, and definitely something I want to look more into. Um, but if, Anybody listening to this ever draws that tag, definitely go to that class. The guys from the BLM office, the state troopers, the people who have gone before, they have so much knowledge to offer regarding the species and the terrain and what to expect. Um, but what was interesting specifically and things that I was researching and trying to learn, there were so many people who... Um, because it is has the stigma of this once in a lifetime, you only get to do it once. And so everybody's like, you must hire a guide. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, let's hire a guide. Like, I don't want to be this person that all of a sudden shows up and like misses out on this great opportunity because I didn't want to hire the guide. So, but then there's also, there's no guarantee if you hire a guide either. So I was very torn and conflicted because on one hand, I had all this information that I felt like we're not ignorant to hunting. My husband has been a very successful hunter since he was five. Like he's not, like I feel confident that no matter what the animal is, like my husband's not going to have an issue making it happen. But then, so like I just kind of absorbed his confidence in hunting. So I'm like, well, of course I can do it. <laughs> Why wouldn't I be able to? So... Um, I guess in some ways 
that's kind of my attitude in general. Like I can do it. So I'm just going to give it all and see what happens. And so, and if I don't, I'm not going to be disappointed because I gave it my all. So we talked to lots of people and regarding should we or should we not get a guide. And the guy that I work with is good friends with a guide up north. Um, so I was like, all right, let's do this thing. So called and talked to him, got everything set up. And we were going forward and with the guide and um, just through scheduling things and um, the way that, you know, you could either go in by a landowner because this area is landowner locked mm-hmm. except for the river and on eastern or western side and I had a western tag so basically you can either float John Day River and go after it or you can get a landowner tag and hunt it from the top and so the um, guide is extremely good at what he does and he's booked and so he was like you know here's your window we need to get landowner tags and um you know, and I was like, well, I kind of want to do the float. And he's like, well, if you do, I'm going to get you in contact with another guy. So talking through things with my husband, um, we decided that we were not going to go with a guide that, um, we wanted to do it ourselves. So we let the guide know that we were going to go another route. And, um, so then if this was about two months out from the hunt. And so then I was, you know, a little stressed out trying to figure out all of the bits and pieces. I've never even floated a river, like other than like in a tube, like with my girlfriends with a short jaunt, you know, not overnight staying for, you know, up to 10 days. And what does that look like? What is the terrain? Because we have never even been on the John Day river. So we didn't know anything about the river itself. Um, So completely uncharted territory for my husband and I. And of course, whenever you get a tag like this, I've learned that everybody is all in for you, which is so fun. Like, it's amazing. Like, once you say yes to something like the community that comes around that, if you allow it. Um, And I think being willing to reach out and talk to people and ask good questions and hear what people have to say builds this community. And when I said yes to a lot of these people who are willing to share information then, and I'm an all inclusive person. So I'm like, come Mm -hmm. with me, everybody come with me. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) And so everybody wants to come with you, right? Like nobody wants to miss this opportunity to be out in this space where you you may never get it again. And so just so we're um, clear, I didn't get that invitation of Constance. Okay. If, so if you ever draw it again, <laughs> if I ever draw it again, which will never happen, but if I know anybody who draws it again, I get the opportunity. You're there. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So I had about five people who were yeses, and um, through different circumstances, and you know, getting ten days off of work is you know not easy for a lot of people, and so. Um, which, you know, makes me very thankful for the situation my husband and I are in to be able to do that. And we um, ended up only having one of those five people who said they were going to go with us actually attend. So it was my husband, and it's actually one of his assistants that works for him, which is just a super fun, young, you know, 20s guy who has lots of energy and strong and, you know, capable. And so... um, So it was just the three of us that went and 
we had the best time. I mean, I would give anything if I could just go sit on that river. It is the most peaceful river. Even if you're not sheep hunting, highly recommend floating the John Day. It was just, the terrain is gorgeous to see the animals, the wildlife there. I mean, there was deer everywhere, fish. I mean, I've never seen so many geese in all of my life. Um, so it was just the experience of being on the river was phenomenal, which took a lot of preparation, you know, preparing rafts and the weight that you could have on the rafts. Plus, um, we also had elk tags for that area, which we were told if we got cold enough weather, um, elk would come down to the river. So we were super excited that we could hunt um, elk there as well. So we were prepared that we may have an elk and a sheep um, weight-wise on these rafts, and there was only two rafts. So um, the math and the what can you take, what can you not take, what do you need to be prepared for weather situations there, um, you know, it's could be frozen. I've heard stories where they were breaking ice to get down the river to where, you know, it was hot and they were in their short sleeve shirt. So I wasn't really sure like clothing wise, like how much to bring, um, you know, weapons. I wanted to shoot it with my bow. So although I hadn't been hunting, um, for all this long, I've been shooting my bow for about five years. So I feel very confident in like handling my weapon um, and thanks to your class, I learned lots of little tips that definitely um, honed in my shooting, which I really appreciate. Awesome. And just gave me more confidence to be able to say, this is definitely the weapon I want to use. Um, but so in that preparation and learning of all the things I needed to take, uh, the other weapon that I wanted to bring with me was um, a 270 that was my great uncle's. And he's still alive today. He's 103, which is like the coolest thing ever. So, um, but I had not, he had gifted that gun to me like four years ago, five years ago. Um, And I hadn't shot the gun like since we've moved. So it's been, you know, I haven't shot the gun. So I needed to do all of this prep of like making sure I could shoot the gun and which, I mean, I felt confident that I could, but you know, learning, like getting it all sided in and feeling confident enough, not just to shoot the gun, but to be able to, you know, successfully harvest an animal. And so, um, we did lots of preparation at the shooting range. Um, we had lots of preparation for food. So like I said, I have a huge passion for food and I'm the camp cook. So whenever we're at, you know, elk camp and, we usually have a base camp. I'm prepping while hunters are out hunting. So prepping what normal was for me was nothing the same as lightweight packing for up to 10 days for, you know, um, at the time I thought for sure we were going to have four people with us, um, which the other person was going to be Jason's dad. And he ended up hurting his back right before we left, which was a devastating blow. I mean, he's in his seventies and like, you know, he probably won't get that opportunity again. So it was really hard on our family to have to say no to him to be able to go. Um, but I had prepped food for four people for 10 days, lightweight, enough calories, enough of the right nutrients so that we weren't, you know, eating crap the whole time we were there. And so, um, it was a lot of prep work that went into the food end of it as well. And so, um, 
once we got all of that figured out, we decided that we were going to just pack everything. I have in the Ford excursion, we were going to pack everything in the back of the excursion and then leave the rafts um, assembled and on a raft trailer. Well, then when we realized how much gear we actually did have, we were like, that's not going to work. So we uh, ended up breaking all the rafts down and taking our enclosed trailer with all of our gear. And that worked out really well. And it's just all of these things that were like trial and error that we had to learn um, to get to the hunt. And I think that a lot of times when people or myself, when I was trying to research and figure out all of these pieces on how to do it well, especially because we weren't going guided, but I felt like I needed to be prepared for that. There was very little information for me to find on all of these different capacities to make this hunt come together. And so um, that being everything packed down and into the trailer was a task in of itself that I would have not said, oh, this is a thing we need to figure out. So um, got that figured out. We did an enclosed trailer. It worked out perfect. We arranged this shuttle service showed up, um, which was just fun driving in. We went in on 30 mile, which is just this like rocky backcountry road that um, is the put-in for John Day, one of the put-ins, so you can get past the rapids. And um, when we got there, everything was like, there's a bobcat in the road, there's deer. Like, I mean, it was just like, you're already like ramped up because you're excited that you're going on this once in a lifetime adventure. But then whenever you pull in and you're already seeing wild game, it's just like, I mean, my blood was just pumping the whole time. Mm -hmm. I was so excited. And so we got there and there were other hunters, uh, already there. And, uh, one of them we had actually met at the, um, the meeting in the Dallas at the BLM office there. And, um, so that was really fun. He owns an archery shop and we got to, you know, just kind of share and chat. And he had actually been on this hunt before and shot his um, bighorn sheep with a bow. And so we were talking a little bit about that and he was encouraging me, you know, definitely take it and go. And so many people that have been on this hunt said, you can get up close to them if you want um, with your bow, but most people don't because they don't bring it and I was like I will not be that person I'm bringing mm -hmm. my bow mm -hmm. <laughs> and so um I had everything ready and then we got onto the river and as we were getting onto the river another set of hunters came up and so if you don't know a lot about a tag um in the John Day area there are three hunters for the east side and there are three hunters for the west side and there's three different seasons so we had last season west side tag um, so the two hunters that we had met at the put-in, um, one was an east side guy, the other one was a west side guy, but they were hunting down um, Clarno, which was further south from where we had put in. And so, um, which was really fun because, you know, it's a lot of times in the hunting world, um, there's this like, you can't know my spot mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. you can't know, you know, what my tactics are or what I'm doing to make this happen. You know, there's a lot of secretive um, spaces when it comes to hunting, but whenever it comes to bighorn sheep, it's different because it is a once in a lifetime. So people are more willing to share like, Hey, I'm going to be over here. or This is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. Or I'm coming in from the top or, sure. you know, there's just more conversation about it. So it was a, fun space to be in to just kind of talk to these guys as we're getting on the river to go so that first night we had stayed at camp and or sorry at the put-in 
because it was just too late to get started on the river. And because we'd not done the river before, we weren't sure exactly where our next opportunity was going to be to um, have a spot to set up camp. And so we um, stayed that night. It was the coldest night on our whole trip. It was like frosted over. And because we were just doing like half a set up on camp because we didn't want to have to unload everything to get on the river because we wanted to get on as soon as we could in the morning. Um, we just like had like a little Mr. Heater, which was a joke. Um, it was not warm at all. Thankfully, we had like the wood burning stove that we used the rest of the trip and it was fine. But we froze our tails off, woke up and um, got on the river the next day. And so my husband, because we haven't done this before. He's like, I'm just going to throw on my gaiters. And he's like, I don't think I want to put on the waders yet. And so we're like, all right, sounds good. So we just, you know, we get on and I'm like such a diva. So in my house, like I said, like I am super busy. I homeschool, I work full time, like I'm the homekeeper. And so I'm used to consistently serving. Like that's all I do all day long. Like I serve people. And so I'm like, all right, what do I need to do? And I'm like looking around, but there's really nothing for me to do because my husband's rowing the raft. Our friend is in his raft rowing his thing. So I'm just sitting there. <laughs> and I, I mean, it was like such a diva moment. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Give me a row. So um, <laughs> we are sitting there and Jason, my husband's rowing down and we don't get like maybe 20 yards down the river and we're already stuck on rocks, which we had been told by people that, hey, bring your waders. The river's going to be low. You may have to get out and push. So we're all anticipating at some point we're going to get out and push. Like, but we're not thinking at the put in. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Not right away um, anyways. Exactly. Yeah. So the very first thing, you know, my husband jumps out. His, he's in his um, gators, not his waders. So he's soaked and, um, we were already cold. So that kind of started our day. And, um, the people who were also at the put in had said they were going to stay there and hunt right out of 30 mile. Um, there were a herd of sheep um, on the East side that they were going after there. So we're expecting at any second, we're going to see sheep because, Everybody has already talked about they're seeing sheep, they're hunting in these spaces. So we anticipate we're going to get in them right around the first bend. Well, that doesn't happen. We float all day and don't see one sheep. So we're like, oh, well, right before we come to the first big um, campsite, and when I say campsite, the there's designated spots on the river that have a little more BLM space than others where there's, you know, it's not necessarily flat ground, but a place you can pitch a tent. And so we um, were coming around the corner to our first camp spot where we were, you know, starting to need to find a spot because it was getting dark. Um, we look up on the hillside and sure enough, there's a herd of sheep and we were like, awesome. And there were probably about six in that herd. And so we're like, let's get camp set up. We'll make a decision in the morning if those are the ones we want to go after. So we get camp set up. Next morning rolls around. We're glassing and um, look out across there. And there's a big, nice sheep. And we're like, okay, definitely. But I'm looking. And, like, so we're on the, we're camped on the east side of the river. And we're glassing to the west side of the river, which is where I have my tag. And the terrain is... Like, it looks intimidating, but at the 
same hand, it doesn't. So it's very deceiving. So you're like, oh, those are some cliffs. And then you're like, oh, but there's definitely this pathway, like you could get up and over around to them. So, but as we're glassing that morning, trying to make a plan of whether or not they're worthy of us climbing this cliff to get to them, they're moving further south down the river. So we decide, all right, if we're doing this thing, we better do it. So we all wader up, throw all our gear on top of our packs, and hike ourselves across the river, which, like, we had to go through this little rapid. And I've never – I didn't grow up in river country. So, like, the how hard the water was pushing against me was also something that was a little shocking, plus all the gear. So we waded across the river, got across, dumped all of our waders and wet gear and left it there. And then we hiked what was only about a half a mile up, took us, I don't even know how long, about an hour to get a half a mile. It was ridiculous. So it's like this straight up territory that doesn't even look straight up. It looks like you're like walking up this grassy knoll, but really it's straight up and down. We gained like about 2000 feet in elevation in a half mile. And, um, it was, it looks rocky, but when you're walking on it, it is like, clay sand so you're sinking as you're walking so just like exerting way more energy than I anticipated Mm -hmm. and I'm like looking at my husband and I'm sure you know we're going on 12 years so he's like knows my face he's like I know (laughs) so I don't say anything but I'm just like if this is it the whole way I'm regretting the fact that I allowed myself to slack the two weeks before we left and um So we get to the top of the first ridge. And when I'm talking first ridge, we have three more to go to get to where the sheeps are. And this ram from the middle of nowhere, none of us saw him coming, comes up to us about 200 yards away. And he's just looking at us. And I'm like, unbelievable. He's like, why are y'all breathing so hard? (laughs) Yeah, what is your problem? Exactly. Like, why are you huffing? And he's just staring at us like, hey, what's up? Like, not concerned about us, not skittish, not anything. And then, and he's like lamb tipped out. And I knew from the beginning, from after we went to that meeting, I knew the California bighorns broom off their um, lamb tips. So I knew for sure I was not shooting anything with a lamb tip. He's mm-hmm. not going to be big enough. And the other thing that was really important to me is I wanted, if there was a herd, which we knew late season, we most likely would be seeing the rams in the herd versus early season they're usually all the rams are still usually together they're not really in rut yet and so I knew I wanted the bully out of the herd those were like my two stipulations preferably fat but if he wasn't I would still go with it (laughs) so um he had lamb tips I knew for sure he was not the one I wanted so we watched him which they're just amazing creatures to watch um just the way that they're just so stocky and stout and so proud like the way they hold their heads and their shoulders back like they're just proud animals yeah they are and it's just like they're gorgeous to watch and so even the ewes like the way they hold their head like it's almost like they have femininity to them it's I mean they're just amazing um so the the ram goes off we go up to the top we um it takes us about two and a half hours to get a mile So we're at the top, we're watching these guys and the train is really interesting also because not only is it like not 
what it looks like to walk on. But as you look out across, like your, your vision is very limited just because of how the cliffs cascade over one another. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we get to finally the last cliff that we can actually see them before we would be right on top of them. Um, so we get to that cliff and we're glassing, we see them and sure enough, um, the, our friend says, what is that? And we look down at the river, this ram is swimming across the river and is halfway up the east side within less than three minutes. So he, where it took us two and a half hours to get this ram just like scaled those cliffs, swam across the river halfway up the other side. Like it was no big deal in three minutes. And it was in that moment, I was like, holy shit. Like I actually have to hunt. And I know that's ridiculous, but like we were in, under this, this like flippant mentality of like, we've got this, it's no big deal. And it was that moment I was like, we better get serious. Like they spooked way easier than we thought. And we even had this like reminder of like how they just are not intimidated about you with Mr. Lamb tips coming up 200 <laughs> yards and checking us out. You know, it's just like, it was so shocking to me that like he spooked and ran away. <laughs> it's, inc- it's incredible but- too, just to be able to watch them in that, oh you know, gosh. in that, that escape route. Right. And to be able to see, like firsthand, right? You're not watching National Geographic. You're visually watching how quickly they can be up the other side. I got to see that when we were in Alaska this year, just kind of as a sidebar. We had three brown bears in front of us and they were feeding really fast towards us. So finally we had to say like, hey bear, you know, we're here. And in my mind though, I thought like it was going to be one of those predator moments where they like see you and they're like, come attack you immediately you know oh my gosh, yeah. but it didn't work out like that the sow like, with with two cubs turn and burn the other direction and are up and over two ridges by the time we could walk like 200 yards back to our tents unbelievable. it's insane yeah. yeah it's crazy so i i definitely know what you're saying there yeah, it's just, I mean, it is amazing. And that's, we, as a family, after I've had this experience, we were like, we are definitely going back just to sit in glass. I mean, it was the most amazing experience I've had watching animals. I mean, and I've seen lots of animals in the wild, but there's, I mean, there's nothing like it. I completely absorb people's, this is my dream hunt. I, I understand it now. I don't think I fully understood it when people would say that to me, but now that I've experienced it, it's a whole nother level of, I hear you. Yes, it is so good. Um, so after that happened, after Mr. Ram scaled the cliffs, we, um, we made our way back down and we were able to come down the cliff that they were on. So our return, like the descent was definitely rough, but it was not, um, it didn't take us as long to get back. And we went down the cliffs and then came um, up the river back to our camp, stayed another night there, um, got back in. And so we were at this point, we were about six miles in on the river. So we weren't very far. It's a 44 mile float um, from where we put in and to where we could get out. Um, And we were told it would take us about five days to float. Well, at that rate, we're already, I mean, from the time we left our house, we're already three days in. And so um, we decided to get back on the river. We weren't going to pursue these guys again. We were going to go see if we could get in on another herd. 
so same scenario we float all day um there's like nothing happening we do not see one herd anywhere same thing we get to this point and it was like significantly darker than our first run um when we were looking for camp so we were like kind of like uh we got to pull over now and we missed two spots just the way the river was carrying us and the wind was blowing and so we came up to this next spot and we were like we gotta pull in so we pull over um get camp set up and Zach, the guy that was with us, he was a little bit further behind us. And so he comes in, he's like, did you see him? And we were like, no. And so he's like, they're right here. And so they were right above the camp where we had pulled over. But from the camping spot itself, there was this knob in front of this like bowl portion of the ridge. And where the herd was, was in this, like, corner of the bowl. So between the knob and the way the bowl was shaped, you couldn't see them at all. So I'm like, we have, like, just a tiny bit of daylight. I'm like, I'm going to hike up on this other side of the bowl and see if I can at least see them, just to see what's out there. So as um, my husband and Zach are getting the tents and all of that set up, I um, take the spotting scope and I go hike over um, up this other, I probably get only about 400 yards out of camp to where I was up high enough. I could at least see on one side of the knob, which was the opposite side of where Zach was saying he saw the herd. So I look over and sure enough, there's about, it was like 800 yards away from me. Um, there's two rams and I was like oh perfect so I didn't give it a lot more attention I wanted to have a shower that night I mean total diva I've been riding in the front of the raft while my husband row row rows the boat the whole time and I'm like and by the way I need a shower (laughs) so so I like put my spotting scope and stuff up we get back to or I get back to camp where the guys are and uh, I start boiling some water to like get the three-day river stank off and hopefully, like, not spook another herd. And so um, we get this huge windstorm that comes in. So this is, like, the best part of the whole hunting story. I'm totally kidding, but it's worthy of sharing. So we have this pop-up tent shower where, it's like, a, we hang a shower bag in it. So it's lightweight. It's easy to take. It was, like, definitely on one of my, we're taking this if I'm going to be in the river for 10 days. Because I don't know about you, but my hair does not survive that long. (laughs) So, (laughs) I um, am boiling water, get it all ready to go, get into the little shower tent, and this windstorm comes. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, I'm holding the poles, like, to the tent. And the only thing I can think of is this windstorm is going to carry me and my naked rear end right in front of my husband's employee like totally (laughs) awkward I'm like screaming I'm like Jason come get the tent and he's like completely ignoring me like I'm like I know you hear me (laughs) come take this thing back down because it's gonna blow off (laughs) in the meantime I have no idea like I'm naked in the shower and he's out like putting up the we have a seek outside teepee and he's trying to get the teepee staked out and it's same things happening to him. You know, he's trying to stake out the teepee and it's trying to blow away on him. And so that was kind of our only evening that was a little like intense as far as weather goes. I mean, we had lots of fog and rain and things like that, but as far as like, Oh, this is a little rough. 
was that one windstorm that came through and it was short-lived and we were thankful for that. Um, we finally got everything staked in and it was fine. But, um, so we wake up the next morning and, um, my husband's all like, Oh, I feel good about this. And we kind of hike down the river and, um, glass and sure enough, we see this herd of like 30. And so we were like, awesome. And then we glass over to the other side of that knob where I saw the two rams. And there's a whole nother herd a couple of cliffs away. So probably about two and a half miles from where we were camped um, northern on the northern end of the river was a whole nother herd we could go after. So we were like honey hole. Um, and my husband gets out his camera and he's like, you ready to kill a sheep today? And I was like, yeah. And so we decide that um, Zach was going to stay down at camp and glass because of the way this bowl and knob were, we knew that we would not be able to see the majority of what we needed to see once we got up onto the knob. So we had Zach stay down in glass, grabbed our radios, and my husband and I go hiking up this hill. And it's like, could not be better terrain. Nothing like the first terrain that we went up where it was like steep and sandy and rocky and just this like marshy type walking through terrain. Um, This was like grassy knoll looking, but um, more rocky, which I preferred just because you're not sinking. So even though it's hard on your feet, like you weren't sinking and pulling your feet out every single time. So, um, We hike about three quarters of a mile up and we radio down to Zach. Hey, Zach, where are they at? Do we need to go right? Do we need to go left? Because in this, like the steepness of it, you can basically see grass and sky and that's it. Like you can't see distance because just you're walking straight up and down. So we, um, radio, 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 nothing's happening. We're like, what is going on? Oh no. Radio's not working. And, like, we check, batteries high, like, fully charged. And then all of a sudden, radio back on, and it dies like the battery's dead. We're, like, unbelievable. So here we are. We know there are sheep all around us. We're just not sure where they're at. So we keep going the direction at which we originally saw them. And then we're about a mile and a half up, um, and I turn around to... Um, just through my binoculars, hand motion to Zach, like, hey, which way do we need to go? Mm-hmm. And he is pointing, go left. So we keep hiking about, I don't know, about a quarter mile more, maybe, maybe not even not much. And this ram looks right over the top at us. And I was like, oh my gosh. So like, we just like kind of get still and we're like, all right, are, do we spook him or do we have, you know, Mr. Lamb tips from our first hunt, like just checking us out. So we go back to looking at Zach, Zach, which direction we go. And he says, go left. So we stay at the same level on the ridge that we were at. And we just walk directly left. So we keep going left. And here comes Mr. Lamb tips staring at us again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, is he telling, is Zach telling us to go after Mr. Lamb tips? I'm like, I'm not shooting him either. So I'm starting to get frustrated looking down at Zach, thinking he's sending me towards this other ram. So we keep going left, but then we start making our way up the hill. And Jason, my husband's like, hey, if we spooked him, 
out of here. He's like, let's go to the top of the ridge and then hike over to these guys that are about two miles away from us and we'll go, we'll hike them from, or we'll hunt them from the top. I'm like, perfect, sounds good. So at this point, like, I'm not thinking that they're, the herd is there. I'm thinking we've spooked them out of there and we're just, at this point, just need to get to the top of the ridge so that we can get over to this other herd. So I, one more time, I turn back around and I'm like looking at Zach and he is like jumping around like a crazy person. <laughs> if you know Zach, it would just crack you up because he is like the most mellow, no words, easygoing guy you could ever meet. And he is jumping up and down, like pointing left. And he's like outside of the spotting scope, just jumping. And I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, going left. We're doing it. So I turn around and my husband is like crouched down under this like little rock cliff staring at me. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like five of them. Like he's holding his hand up five. And I'm like, no way. So I, um, I drop my pack. I get my, and Oh, major note on this. Sorry. So as we go hiking up, because it's this big grassy knoll, I don't have my bow. Cause I'm like, there's like, there's nothing. There's not a rock. There's not a tree. It is literally grass, like wide open space. I have nowhere I could get to draw my bow back anywhere. So I leave it at camp. So I have just my great uncle's rifle and I, so I toss my pack, get my gun ready. I hike over there and, um, I'm at like they're way the cliff. There was kind of like these two sections of rocks. So my husband's on the right-hand side of the rocks and I get on the left-hand side and I peep up over the top of this rock ledge, which is on my Instagram. If you want to watch it, there's a whole herd of sheep and I'm like, Oh my gosh, they're 65 yards away. Like they're right in front of us. And so the whole herd, the whole her that we were watching like they didn't go anywhere and so um my husband I'm he's like make sure you look for you and I was so thankful he was there he's like you will shoot right through him and I'm like okay so um I get all set up and my husband's like Constance and I said what like I mean because I know his tone of voice you know my barrel of my gun was like sitting right on this rock and if I would have shot it would have like hit the rock so like rifle experience 101 like watch the end of your barrel so I was like holy shit so I get the gun and I move it over to this other side where I was clear of this like this the way the cliff came together so I was clear of this one rock um and so I'm like I cannot see the you and the ram at the same time so I'm like am I clear am I clear and so I keep asking my husband am I clear and he's like no you're not clear he's like over here he's like you're pointing the wrong way and I'm like I'm not shooting him because there's four rams in this herd so my husband and I aren't even looking at the same ram and I'm like I am shooting the one on the left I need you to look to the left and so about that time like they're not going anywhere my husband and I are sitting here having this conversation I mean we're not being loud obviously but I just am in awe of the fact that they're standing here just staring at us and so um I'm like am I clear am I clear and he's like no and so I don't know he's videoing the whole time that I'm like trying to like really and my wife 
face. I want to scream at him like, am I clear? And he's like not answering me. So I didn't know he was videoing. So he puts his phone down and he looks over and he's like clear. And as soon as he said clear, I shot and hit him. And the whole time as we're like going up the hill, I was praying that he wouldn't roll off the cliff and that he would not, you know, it wouldn't be a situation where I had to shoot again. I just wanted a clean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kill. And so um, he drops instantly. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Like, he's not running. Like, he kicked once. That was it. So um, we wait a few seconds, and my husband comes over. He high-fives me, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so I'm so excited. And I, like, scream like a crazy loud person down to Zach. Like, God! And so... um, he, I see Zach coming up, and um, so Jason, because um, I had handed him my rifle to pick my pack back up, to put my pack back on to get up to him, up to the ram. So Jason handed my rifle back, and he said, make sure you're ready. And I'm like, and if you knew my deer harvesting story, all this would make a little bit more sense, but I had an experience with my deer where I had to shoot him twice. And so he's like, make sure you're ready. And so then, like, my heart just sank. I was like, I cannot do this all over again. Like, I am not chasing another animal like that. I just want him to be dead. So, um, sure enough, he was dead, and it was fine. Um, but it was, like, the best experience. My husband said, so, what do you, like, how do you feel? Like, you know, he's, like, looking for me to, I guess, have more emotion, because I'm obviously a passionately loud emotion person. So he's like, well, how do you feel? I was like, you know, there was this point where, like, it almost, because it's a once-in-a-lifetime tag, like, it's almost a burden because you have this expectation that you never get to do it again, and you must kill one, right? Like, you can't come home empty-handed on your once-in-a-lifetime tag. So I didn't really feel that pressure until it was off, and then I was like, I feel good. Like, I feel like I have a 1,000 pounds just lifted off of my shoulders. Like, it's done and it was clean, and it was good, you know, um, so, but there's also a piece of me that, like, I'm such a cheerleader in life that I love watching my husband kill more than I did my own experience, just because, you know, joy is contagious, so watching someone else's joy is just, like, the best for me, um, so I was like, I don't know, I kind of like watching you hunt more than having to be in this like pressure seat of like, you have to get it done. And um, so, but I was like, the only thing I want is to carry this thing down by myself too. Like there's all this like, can you do it? Cause you're a woman and can you carry that much weight? Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm mm-hmm. sure in your place, you feel that all the time. I was like, no way in hell is anybody but me carrying my ram off this hill. That is not happening. So um, there, Jason and Zach both were like, all right, well, number one, your pack's too heavy. So if you're carrying it, you need to unload some stuff. So we get them all cleaned. Um, and so I unload some of the things out of my pack and put into, um, my husband's pack and then put the ram and mine. So we have full cape and head and then, um, Zach carried down the quarters and, um, my husband had some, like, the backstrap and that kind of say like, some of the smaller stuff. Um, and it's also shocking, too, because, like, if you look at the pictures of rams, like, they're, they look 
bigger than they actually are, but they're still a sheep. So they're not like these massive animals. Uh, so heavy, like it wasn't that bad as the pack was probably about 70 pounds. So, um, I got down the hill fine and it was good. And I like was thankful that it wasn't this more intense experience. Like I was anticipating that it would be than what it was. And I think too, like just adrenaline, you know, like you can do anything when you're all pumped up. So, um, get down the hill and we spent the next, um, three days just celebrating and enjoying the peace that we didn't have to rush back to, you know, life. And we got to enjoy the river and just the wildlife. And we saw seven other um, rams from, we were nine miles in, or sorry, we were 16 miles in whenever um, I shot my ram. But then just getting to enjoy that, you know, that last 24 miles or whatever it was, um, 28 miles of being able to enjoy the river and the wildlife and the peace that just being in nature brings you. Um, this is the best experience of my life. And I would go back in a hot minute. That sounds incredible. Oh my gosh. Just like, like you said, there's just something about being in that element and, you know, just it's, it's uninterrupted, you know, it's untouched for the most part by man. And you don't hear a whole bunch of other noises outside of, you know, maybe a few things here and there, but you just get to observe and be that, you know, that just, outside party looking in it's that's pretty awesome yes definitely yeah and I think just um awe of creation too you know like just the cliffs and the way that the river has cut through and just I believe you had quoted like how small you felt when you were in Alaska yep like that's just that and you hear people say that in Alaska a lot, you know, like you just feel small once you're there. And I think the beauty of that is, is that it, like you said, it's uncharted. So when you're in a place that is just magnificently made outside of like anything that any of us could ever do, it's just all striking, you know, it's just incredible. It is. And I think those moments and those places that you can experience that, make you just feel insignificant is so valuable because, you know, you learn to get outside of your own self. You know, you learn to think about things differently and perceive things differently. And I think it's, it can do a lot for your sense of confidence and for your sense of just perception of the world and what's important and what's not important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. It definitely gives you a reset. So cool, Constance. I uh, I wish we could go back in time. The only thing I would change out of this story was that I was there to give you one hell of a high five afterwards because, oh my gosh, that has to just be an incredible experience to be able to know that you get to do something that not very many people will ever want experience being a part of, but to ever have the opportunity to pull the trigger on an animal like that. Absolutely, yes. It was a definite blessed experience, and I'm very thankful to be able to share it. And I hope that it brings other people encouragement and joy to get out there and experience. Because even if it's not a bighorn sheep, when you're out in that space and you're able to bring food home to your family, I mean, I have three boys, and I hope that I leave a legacy for them that they want to enjoy the outdoors as much as we do and that they're capable and that, you know, 
there's so much more than the grocery store and, you know, just the quality of food and the things that are available to us. If we would only reach out and get it. Um, so I hope that, you know, my experience will give people the encouragement to get out there and get after it because you can fill your own freezer and it's the best feeling in the world to harvest your animal and then go home and cook dinner for your kids. And I love the the approach that you had to it, because even as somebody, you know, you've been honing your skills with your weapon for, you know, five years, but as a hunter, you're still learning. And I think one of the most valuable things that we can do in life, but specifically in hunting, is to always be a student, to always try to learn more, to talk to mentors, to talk to biologists, to go to classes, to just be inquisitive, to figuring out how you can learn more about their behaviors or their habits or the terrain they live in or, you know, any of those things. And when you get to experience that along with that knowledge, when you get to be there and you get to watch them be inquisitive about what you are, you know, or you get to watch them blow out of a canyon and up the other side, those things are just experiences that will live in you forever. And I believe you're definitely building that legacy with your children. Absolutely. And, you know, I would say too, like the learning aspect of it in the best part of learning is getting your hands dirty you know like you I've read and researched I countless hours of how to make this the best experience we possibly could and nothing could give me the tools or the knowledge to proceed forward like being there and I think that um, I know you talk a lot about like just getting out and making it happen and you do like there's no other way to gain that portion of knowledge without getting out there and I tell you I learned so many things in those seven days away from life that will be lessons that I carry with me forever and Mm -hmm. that I mean there's no way you could have gained it outside of just doing. Absolutely. And don't forget about those things. You know, it's just, it's easy to let things kind of just tarnish and and forget over time. But I think the more you can remind yourself of those experiences, whether that's through writing or video or just reflection, I think it just will keep you fresh and it'll keep you always looking to accomplish more and to, to stay confident in your abilities. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank more. you so much for coming on with me today. I know people are going to want to jump online and see pictures. And obviously, I'll post some and, and I'll link to um, where people can get contact you in the show notes. Um, but go ahead and just give some more information about if people want to reach out to you, where would be the best place to do that? Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Um, on Instagram at Living Field Notes, um, I mainly am a story sharer on Instagram. So follow my stories and DM me anytime. Cool. Sounds good. And I'm going to hit you up to do a little follow-up because we ran a little bit long with your story, which is amazing. There's a couple questions I want to ask you. And I think if you're up for it, we'll put it in writing form and post it up on the blog. I love it. Let's do it. Cool. All right. Thanks so much for coming on. Definitely. Thanks, Courtney. Well, ladies, that does it for this show for today. I hope that you found some inspiration some good advice and definitely some encouragement to take with you on the rest of your week. I'm already looking forward to coming back next week and giving you some more insight, some inspiration, and some tips on how to navigate your best life. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Your feedback is so important to me. I would love to know the questions that you have, any topics or ideas, and your feedback. You are so valuable to me, and I really appreciate you taking the time 
to leave the review and subscribe to the show. See you next week on Her Inspired Journey.